If Jesus is not risen from the dead, let's go home. You say, well, that sounds kind of severe, doesn't it? Well, this morning I'm going to show you from 1 Corinthians 15 three reasons. Three reasons why the resurrection of Christ matters in your life right now. Right here, right now. Paul lays it out for us here in the first 28 verses of 1 Corinthians 15. So again, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn there. One of the great things about having a Bible in front of you is if you, you just something catches you with it, uh, you go home and you look it up again. I remember it was down this column about this far down. I want to look at that some more. So I want to encourage you to do that. Well, my friends, the first reason, the first and, and perhaps most significant of all the reasons, which are all equally significant, is this. The good news isn't good without the resurrection. And you say, what are we talking about, the good news? We're talking about the gospel. Gospel, the word gospel means good news. And Paul lays out exactly, precisely, it's the only place in the Bible where the gospel is clearly defined. And so notice here in verse 1, Paul says the gospel, of course, to this church was preached. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. And here it is, my friends, and the church, how did they respond to this? They trusted in the gospel, which you have received. That word received talks about how they responded to the gospel that they heard. They accepted it as true, and they rested their weight on it. That's the word trust. You know, you sat down on that seat here this morning, you, you didn't hold nothing back. That's trust. No plan B. Nobody's out here going like that this morning, you know. They trusted it. They accepted it as true that Christ died for their sin, rose from the dead. As a matter of fact, that's what he defines next. So they received it, which they stand by which, look at the result of this faith, by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preach to you unless you believed in vain. That's a reference to their idea about the resurrection. But you will notice the phrase, by which you are being saved. That sounds like an ongoing, continuous thing, right? And friends, frankly, that's exactly what the salvation of God is, an ongoing thing. Three Ps. I want you to write these things down on the palm of your hand. Nope, the other hand. No, you can do whatever you want, okay? Not your boss. <laughs> but when you think of salvation, think that God saves us in three ways. The first way is this. He saves us from the penalty of sin. Again, Christ died for our sin. He died in our place, our substitute on the cross. We all got that pretty clear. That one makes sense. And that's what we think about when we think about salvation, being saved from the penalty of sin. But you know, that's just the first part. He saves us from the penalty of sin, and then he begins to save us from the power of sin in our life. And that is the work that the Spirit of God does in our life, conforming us to the character of Christ, making within us like Jesus in character. 
We are people of truth. We are people of love and compassion. It is the Spirit of God that does that work in us. And then finally, the ultimate end of our salvation is to save us from the very presence of sin. That, my friend, is eternity. And so when we think of salvation, we ought to think of it in that way. Saving us from the penalty and then from the power and one day from the very presence of sin. But you'll notice, my friends, as here in verse 3 he begins to define what the gospel is, you will notice that the resurrection is a key part of the gospel. You just can't take it away. He says here in verse 3, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I receive, that. Now you will note here he's going to lay out two clauses. Those, each of those clauses is going to f- uh, be followed by this, this phrase, in accordance with the scripture. And then he's going to offer evidence of the truthfulness of that. The first is that Christ died for our sins. Notice that here in verse 3. Christ died for our sins. And here it is, in accordance with the scriptures. And what he's saying is the Old Testament, the prophets, they talked about this. This shouldn't be a surprise to us. This isn't a new thing that the Christ would die for our sins. And then he gives us evidence that Jesus died for our sins. You know what it is? Look at here at the end of verse 4. He was buried. You say, what kind of evidence is that? Well, my friends, the reason that's evidence is because we don't bury live people. Or we shouldn't. We're having fun this morning. Good stuff coming here, friends. And so here's the first part of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture, he was buried. Then comes the second, the second clause. The second clause. Verse, at the end of verse 4, he says, And he was raised on the third day, here it is, in accordance with the scriptures. In accordance with the scriptures. What scriptures he's referring to anyway here? Well, my friends, when it comes to the death of Christ, you go back to Isaiah 53, and you would think Isaiah wrote that after the crucifixion. It is so clear. And what about the resurrection? Psalm 16. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 13, where Paul's sermon is is, uh, recorded, he references Psalm 16 and saying, look, we already knew the Christ would rise from the dead. The evidence is there. And so here, Paul lays it out, ten words. Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead. Now, frankly, when I grew up, we made a lot about the first part, not so much about the second. You know, we're saved because Christ died for our sin. He, he saved us from the penalty of sin. You know, we talked uh, quite a bit about the second part. But I'll tell you what. Not so much about the resurrection. And, and I tell you, frankly, that, that just makes me sad and excited about this morning. Because what we're going to throw out here, my friends, is just how important the resurrection is. See, so the gospel, ten words. Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead. We know it well. But you know what the evidence of the resurrection is? 
It's the best kind of evidence. People saw him. Look at that. Then he appeared. He rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, and he appeared. People saw the risen Christ. Who? Look at verse 6. Well, maybe verse 5. He appeared to Cephas. That's Peter. And then to the twelve. Now, some of you are doing the math, and it's like, wait a minute, didn't one of the twelve, you know, Judas, didn't he go to the leaders and say, hey, what will you give me if I betray this guy? Can we stop for a moment and talk about how horrible evil that is? How much will you give me if I betray him? Yeah. Well, the, the phrase, the twelve, referred to the group of disciples. There happened to be twelve, so people just started calling them the twelve. Well, at this point, there was only eleven in the twelve. And if you're good with fractions, you can figure that out. But my friends, this list of who he appeared to just continues to grow. Look at verse 6. Then, after appearing to Cephas and then all of the disciples, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom, Paul writes, are still alive today, though some have fallen asleep. And that, falling asleep does not mean they're taking a nap. It is the picture of a Christian who has put their faith in Christ but has passed. And they call it that because they're going to rise again. It's just like a nap. You plan to get up again, don't you? Yeah. So, my friends, he appeared. He appeared to Cephas, then the twelve, and more than 500 people. And the list continues in verse 7. Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles. And then we come to verse 8, and we see, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now that appearance is recorded in Acts chapter 9. It's a fantastic account of the road to Emmaus. The Lord appeared, there was Paul, the apostle, persecuting the church, arresting people, putting them to death. And then the Lord appeared to him, and everything changed. Sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. And so Paul talks a little bit here. He says about one untimely born. And so he's one of the apostles, but he wasn't born early enough in his faith to have walked with Jesus. But he saw the risen Christ. And he says, I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I was persecuted by the church of God. I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God, of course, that is within me. And whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believe. The issue in response to the gospel that God is looking for is faith. Faith, believe, they all have the same Greek word behind them. It is absolute dependence upon no plan B.
So the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to numerous people, numerous times. 23 years later, after his resurrection, he reappeared to Paul. And this is not a few people making wild claims like, hey, was that Elvis at the mall? The resurrected Christ appeared. The best evidence is eyewitness, my friends. And there it is. So reason number one, why the resurrection is absolutely essential, because the good news isn't good without the resurrection. Reason number two, verses 12 to 19, there is no hope for us if there is no resurrection. Now, this is some pretty dark stuff here, friends. This is the picture of our lives if there is no resurrection. Take a look at verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, Paul says, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? There was this Greek philosophy that had snuck into the church a bit. There were a few people who said, hey, there's no such thing as a resurrection, so we don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And here Paul starts with that claim and says, you want to see what the picture looks like if that's true? Take a look, my friends. Number one, Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus. If there is no resurrection, verse 13, of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain, empty to no good, for no purpose. There is, there is no positive result of your faith. Though God has said that the way to salvation is faith in Jesus Christ, if he is not risen, you're wasting your time and money, my friends. Take a look at what he says. He says, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Look at verse 17, if Christ is not risen, you're still in your sins. You still are accountable to God for your sins and you will face eternal separation from God. That's what it means if there's no resurrection. That means there is no hope and your eternal destiny is hell. And no way out. Christ is not risen. We are still in our sins. And then verse 18, if Christ is not risen, there is no hope for a life beyond this one. And this is perhaps the saddest of all, verse 18. Then those who have fallen asleep, we've talked about that term, people who have put their faith in Jesus and live for him, but ultimately they've died. You know what Paul says their, their condition is right now? They are in torment right now. If you look up Luke chapter 16, Jesus gives a bit of an illustration of that. A rich man and Lazarus. The rich man represents 
the opportunities to do good. Everything you have in your possession is an opportunity from God to make a difference. The rich man decided he would do nothing for anyone else but keep it all for himself. Selfishness, the very root of sin. And he was in great torment, the scripture says. Luke 16, you can look it up later. There is no life beyond this one. So he says here in verse 18, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. There is no hope of reunion. My parents died relatively young. My dad at 60, my mom at 57. And I was with my mom as she died. She would close her eyes, and I thought, this is it. And minutes would go by, and she would open them and say, this is in heaven. She was a great, great illustration of the work of God in her life. She was a godly woman, kind, a lot like my wife. And what this means is that my mom is in hell. If there is no resurrection of the dead, she's gone. I will never see her again. There is no great reunion. There is no great hope that I will see godly friends, family members ever again. You want to talk about why the resurrection matters? It's our only hope, my friends. In this world, like buying a pet. Anybody have a dog or a cat, I guess? <laughs> you buy a pet, you're just biding time to a funeral. Melanie, my wife, just found something on her phone telling us how old our dogs are. We know the average age of dogs at death. Just a matter of time. And yet the resurrection changes that. Not about my dogs, mind you, but about my family, about my friends, about you. There's somebody even now that you're mourning as you think about it, to think that you could never see them again. Not only are we rescued from hell, we will one day be reunited to Jesus and his family. It's a pretty big thing, isn't it, friends? See why the resurrection matters? Yeah. Well, let's knock off our third reason here. Third reason is this. Jesus' resurrection is critical to our salvation. There's that word again. Remember the three Ps? Anybody want to stand and tell us what the three P's are? Saved from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from the very presence of sin. You see, Jesus, according to verse 20 here, notice, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Well, let's unpack that. First fruits was the practice of the, of the nation of Israel because of the law. When they went out to harvest, 
the first of the fruit of the land was a sacrifice to the Lord. Jesus, the first. It wasn't the only offering that they would ever make, but it was the first one. Jesus is the first through the door of resurrection with many to follow. That is the hope of the resurrection. The resurrection is critical to be saved from the very presence of sin. Jesus is the first among many to rise from the dead. Again, the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He rose from the dead so that one day all who put their faith in Jesus would rise from the dead as well. Now, frankly, there are a number of resurrections in the Bible, but the last one is the one you don't want to be a part of. It is a resurrection to the great white throne judgment. If you are there, you are there to be condemned and to be cast into hell. Everyone will rise again, my friends, but only those who put their faith in Christ will rise to life eternal. So Jesus' resurrection is critical because he's the first through the door. The first among many, the first fruits, which indicates more to come. And here in verse 21, we see the need. Why? Why is there a need for such things? Why do all of these things have to take place? And that is, is that the Lord freed us from the curse that Adam brought, which is death. Verse 20, uh, 21, for as by man came death. I was thinking about that as I laid in bed this morning. There's Adam in this perfect environment. And, and just to remind you of what the Garden of Eden was like and what God had intended to take place, he walked with them in the cool of the day. The intent of God's creation is that he would dwell with his people, that he would love them, care for them, provide for them and be in an intimate relationship with them. That was the point. It wasn't some aquarium to look in and see what's going on in there now. Well, let's shake it up. The reason for eternity, my friends, a new heaven and a new earth, is to bring it back to that moment before everything got wrecked by a guy who said, yeah, I'm not supposed to, but yeah, I'll do it anyway. My wife grabbed one. She ate it. She liked it. Eh, why not? And it wrecked everything, as sin always does. Destroys families, cultures, communities, every time. The resurrection is critical to our salvation. Since Christ has been risen from the dead, so will those who put their faith in Jesus. The need? Death. But the solution was Christ, verse 22. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Second he references is the rapture. 
the rapture. Probably don't have time to turn here, but I'm going to read it anyway. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, talking about what is called the rapture. Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. Again, those who have put their faith in Christ and have died, are they going to miss this? Are they going to, what, what's going to happen to them? And Paul says, don't worry about this, friends. I don't want you to grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? So also, so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of a command and with the voice of the archangel. <coughs> And with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What a picture, my friends. Resurrection is our hope. And the ultimate purpose here in verses 23 or 25 to 28 is this, that God may reign over all. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. When it, when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he has accepted who put all things into subjection. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him. That's almost impossible to understand as I read it. And it's a lot of repeated subjections under there. But the end of it all, my friends, is that God will reign. And we will be there for his good reign. Hard to understand somebody reigning over us as being a good thing unless you understand the character and nature of God. So let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of all biblical teaching regarding life after death and is the basis of hope of every believer. Maybe you haven't given much thought to an eternity with God, where you might spend it, and how the choices you make here might impact that. But if you are here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're watching on our website right now or on Facebook, put your faith in Jesus. Understand it, that Christ died for your sin and rose from the dead. Accept that it's true, my friend. The record is clear. Death, resurrection of Christ, the most attested event in history. Hmm. Trust him. Trust him. Put your trust in him now. And if you're trusting him, my friend, celebrate the resurrection. It is your hope. 
Don't wait for another year to come around. Celebrate it. Include the resurrection in your gospel presentation because it is key that he rose from the dead. And become a student of this great salvation that was purchased by the blood of Christ, by his death. The resurrection is our hope, my friends. There is no hope if Christ didn't die for our sin and wasn't raised from the dead. This is it. And it's not. And that is the hope. There is resurrection. There is reunion in the future of those who put their faith in Jesus.